Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever felt to yourself while you're watching a movie? They can do better than this. I can do better than this. Well then please prepare your hearts, your minds, your souls for the film tweakers. everyone this is film tweakers thank you again to my friend charlie duber for creating that hilarious intro music gets me pumped every time i listen to it right before i start recording with someone to uh get uh, get on into the groove of film tweaking so if you haven't listened to film tweakers before this is our third episode of this we also film tweaked suicide squad with josh sibley and jurassic world with bethany duber and basically, uh, if you haven't watched, listened to the show before, we give our initial thoughts. We break down our top five tweaks on how we think if we tweaked these things, this movie would go from being either good or bad to great. And then we'll give you our final thoughts on all the things we did like about the movie and didn't think need to be tweaked at all. So get my plugs out of the way. Please catch the Entertainment of a Fake podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry. This show, Film Tweakers, is also on that feed, so you can catch up uh, both these on that feed uh, on all those sources. Please on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. If you leave a review, we'll read it on the show, whether it's Film Tweakers or the Entertainment Buffet podcast. Even if it's negative, we'll read it and you know try to learn from whatever it is you are not feeling about the shows. Uh, please comment on your tweaks if you agree on um, the films we've talked about or perhaps films you'd like us to tweak in the future. You can also email us at entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com. And uh, you can also check out Entertainment Buffet sketches, web shows, and uh, review shows all on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, entertainmentbuffet.com. And lastly, before I introduce our guest, please check out some other friends of the podcast, Movie Trailer Trash, The Brothers Marvel, and The Slobberknocker Podcast. Those are a trailer, comic book, and wrestling podcasts, all hosted by friends of mine. Hilarious, awesome shows. I've been guest on some of them. And uh, so, yeah, give them a listen, too, on iTunes and uh, subscribe to them. But, uh, yeah, get those plugs out of the way and introduce our guest for uh, today. We're film tweaking interstellar directed by christopher nolan and my guest heath rumble everyone welcome to the show heath lulu how you doing i'm um, not too bad I'm, I'm ready to get into this uh christopher Same. nolan's latest film besides uh he has uh, this new one coming out this year in 2017 mm-hmm. Dun- dunkirk yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, war movie. <laughs> it's already a, a mystery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, Heath Rumble was a guest on uh, episode fifteen of the Entertainment Buffet podcast, where we were wrapping up the summer movie season. <laughs> if you want to give yourself a, a brief intro to the listeners, Heath, uh, what uh, what are you up to out in the in La La Land? I, yes, I am out here in La La Land, Los Angeles, California. Uh, it's been pretty, uh, pretty cool out here. Um, you can hear more about this in the podcast I was in earlier. But I, I work at uh, Marvel Animation Studios now. Um, no big deal. That only came out. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> you know, just casually, casually working there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a PA, nobody. So, um, but, uh, but you know, it's still very cool. And you know, it took a while to, you know, finally secure a job like that after having day jobs and whatnot out here, but uh, I'm also doing a, a web series. I actually just got back from set. Uh, we're filming our second season. It's called Karmic, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be a writer on that as well. And that's that's most, mostly what I came out here for was nice. writing. Um, and so, yeah, and uh, for a little background um, on Nolan, I mean, I, I love Nolan, um, you know, and I, and I've, I used to have uh, an almost infatuation with him like and we you know we both went to columbia college chicago yep and you know there was there was a, a foundational kind of like first class you know film class that you take there that um you write a paper about a director and i chose to write about christopher nolan because i was like you know inception had just come out i was just obsessed you know the dark nice. night had been a couple of years back 
Um, and I, and I love Memento, you know, I love, oh my God, the prestige. So yeah, I'm also, I'm, I'm a big Nolan fan. Yes. I, I love Christopher Nolan. He is in my top five directors of all time. As you said before, uh, Inception, Prestige, Batman Begins. I really like mm-hmm. the underrated Insomnia, uh, as well as uh, The Dark Knight is actually, at the moment, my favorite film of all time. It kind of inspired me to jump from, you know, just really, really enjoying movies to, you know, like, you know what, maybe I should try. You know, I have ideas for writing and, you know, want to maybe get into that. So maybe I should just fucking go for it because the feeling that gave me um, seeing that movie really inspired me. So yeah. Christopher yeah. Nolan, uh, he at the moment, I don't think he's made a bad movie. I just think, you know, he's made uh, mm-hmm. some that are better than others. But mm-hmm. he's an interesting director, as you said, that so far all his movies have been captivating in some fashion. Um, some just having a bit more flaws than others do. Before we get into our top five tweaks, uh, Heath, why don't you give me your just initial first impressions when you saw Interstellar? Yeah, and it's you know I saw it when it first came out, and I was I was a little underwhelmed um, because you know there is usually so much hype around a Christopher Nolan movie, and like and I think when I first came out of the theater, I was still kind of tr- like con- trying to convince myself that. Um, you know, that it was a good movie and that I just hadn't gotten certain parts. But rewatching it, I, I did realize, you know, recently, it is it is very much a mixed bag. The problem with Interstellar that I have is that, like, it's not bad enough to quite be, like, a good bad movie, but it's also not, like, quite good enough to be, just be, like, a straight good movie. So it's this, it's this weird... Middle you know, ground. Yeah, yeah. So, I, anyway. I, I kind of like the same first impression. I think my problem was that because Nolan, you know... There, there are like two, three year gaps between his movies. They're kind of a, mm-hmm. sort of like with Tarantino. Like there's a little bit of a hype that builds for me personally. And you know he was just coming off of finishing the Dark Knight trilogy, and this was like his first film, jumping right back into original movies. I totally agree that I think the writing and just the overall execution, I think it could have been done a little bit better. It could have been a little bit tighter. It's almost like. I felt like this was like the draft before what should have been the final draft, kind of. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it, I believe, like, with a lot of the tweaks we're about to bring up, like, if someone had brought these notes to him and, you know, Jonathan Nolan before, that the, like, the next one could have been, like, mind blowing, you know, like the next mm-hmm. draft of the script. But uh, we'll get into that. And so, like, yeah. we'll jump into our top five tweaks. And, uh, yeah, these are tweaks in no particular order, but three things we wanted to bring up about the uh, and while we're talking about the script we may as well talk about the the overall dialogue uh, i know there's some points yeah. you wanted to bring up heath when it came to the dialogue so what are some things you would tweak in that sense yeah well um <laughs> and it's funny because uh th- there was like a certain point in the movie where i was i was just like wait like and i had already been noticing dialogue things even the first time i watched it i was like okay well the dialogue was so so but, like, there was a point where I was like, I don't know if Nolan knows how normal people talk. Because, like, <laughs> it was just, it was so weird. Like, there were, it, and it was very much like he was trying to make it, like, this dramatic, like, you know, super important, you know, these conversations that are just, you know, and there was some humor sprinkled here and there. But, um, but, like, it, the main problem that I think is that he was making it, for almost like a trailer like he was writing it to be like oh yeah they're all gonna have these epic lines about <laughs> these deep deep truths and whatnot but like the problem is is that none of them relate to each other so yeah what what i felt like ended up happening was that and i mentioned this to you is that they the characters start talking past each other mm-hmm. um you know it's like there there's two characters that are tech you know speaking one after another but they're not really addressing the other person and what they're saying so it's like it's just like two people having a monologue that are you know that have exactly to each other yeah when you brought that Um, up that's something i really noticed and like i think you brought it up when we were discussing this prior to the podcast was like one scene in particular was with matthew mcconaughey kind of you know i think just talking about like farming and whatnot like with his Mm -hmm. uh father-in-law john lithgow 
And, yeah. like, you know, John Lithgow saying, like, you know, Coop, you weren't meant for this world. You were always meant for something better. And then, you know, like, and then he, McConaughey is sort of saying something. And I, I think it's, you brought up a good point. It's almost like in a play when two characters are on opposite side of the stage and they're just, like, giving monologues about mm-hmm. one another, but they aren't actually conversing with one another. So, like, it's funny how, like, the first time I watched it, I didn't quite, like, fully notice it. But then, like, when you bring it up, it's like, wow, that is coming up a lot more than I think it should for a Christopher Nolan movie who's usually a pretty sharp writer. Yeah, exactly. You know, he definitely is capable uh, you know, and you see it in a lot of his other films that, you know, where you do get good conversations um, but, and you know, part of it is I wonder if like some of the this, you know, parts of scenes were cut and they were just kind of like patching these conversations together. Possibly, could be. in, In editing. Yeah, but you know, either way like yeah, th- that porch scene felt so weird. You know, they if if you were to go, I, you know, I have some of it written down, but it's like too long to read out. But like another perfect example, you know, a very short one um, was like you know in in the briefing uh, when he's first being told about the project, like and and the whole wormhole thing. Uh, you know, they talk about the anomaly, and he's like, uh, you know, that it takes you to other places, and so he's like, so is it a wormhole? And like the other guy is like. It appeared 48 years ago, like not answering his question. <laughs> and then like, and then, and then McConaughey is like, and so where does it lead? And I'm just like, so like, clearly you guys are not even talking about the same things right now. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there were just like awkward moments like that of people talking past each other and just like other little uh, things that I would notice where, uh, like, you know, the uh, conversation would, would happen out of nowhere and, and just go away. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the Matt Damon's, uh, surprise Dr. character, uh, Dr. Mann, who randomly went on a really big, like soliloquy almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, yeah, like as McConaughey is suffocating. <laughs> yeah. Like he, uh, they're on this, this planet and, you know, like obviously spoilers, uh, but this sure. movie's been out for a few, a couple of years now. Yeah, so you, you guys years, have yeah. had a chance to see it, but, uh, he tries like kind of killing McConaughey and he's going to steal their ship. And then he starts going on this, like you said, mo- like monologue about just, you know, like, uh, Oh, they say when you, you see like the thing you care about the most as you're dying so like do you see your children you know I feel bad for you I hope you see your children and like he's just talking about all this stuff and like you said like a poem and I'm like what yeah and I just I, I looked to my wife who I was in the movie theater with and just like what is happening right now <laughs> like is yeah, this there were, there is this a, a scene that, is this a scene that no one thinks is gonna get like like Oscar buzz or something like I think mm-hmm. on paper this sounds good Right. But well, as we said before, say, it's like give you give another draft, John and Chris Nolan, mm-hmm. and kind of t- trim this up because this feels very bloated in the sense that it's just like, is this scene still going? And it's like a long tracking shot of him walking up the hill, and he keeps looking back to McConaughey. It's like you're giving him time to fix his suit and like come back, and you're just yeah, monologuing. I, I feel like, and like what you said kind of uh, struck me because like it it seems like it should work and i kind of see what they were trying to do where where it, like almost like his character like this was his way of coping with killing someone he's just like going on this on this rant um but he's just like way too eloquent for like for a person who's like struggling to kill someone he's just like you know pulling out these it, it just feels way too on the point so many times and that's another problem with the dialogue and and talking past each other is that like these characters seem very written like you know it doesn't it doesn't feel natural it doesn't you know maybe it was you know part of that was uh nolan not really letting them improv as much as he should have or you know or again possibly bad editing but it just yeah it was just very yeah i agree that that scene was just like I, i i would have much rather him just been like running away and just being frantic and you know, I don't know, or or just devilish maybe. Um, either way, he's just like somewhere in between. Uh, yeah, it was it was confusing. 
So, um, so yeah, definitely something that stuck out. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll uh, jump away because you know I don't want to trash <laughs> Chris and John for Nolan too much sure. on their writing. But maybe it's just because you and I are writers that we that stuff really yeah. sticks out to us. But I often do no- notice that I'm like, man, I just notice writing so much, and it's yeah. So uh, the next point I'd like to bring up is uh, I'll bring up something that happened. Um, sort of in the beginning of the film, which is kind of like the first 30, 45 minutes. Um, and this is kind of in the area where you were talking about where there's like that porch scene with John Lithgow and Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the the stuff is that they're introducing you to this world where basically like dust is just like overtaking everything and like food can't be grown and people are just like having lung problems because of all the dust and like... Yeah, it, and so, blight... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, they're introducing this world, but they're not doing enough world building. But instead, what they're doing is they're showing Matthew McConaughey with his kids find this drone, and then they're driving through the fields following the drone, and they're uh, the, it leads them to NASA and like these oh, coordinates. I, I don't know. Well, it was. I think. Remember, it wasn't the necessarily the drone that leads them to NASA, but it was like oh the the I dust think it was like the dust yeah the dust anomalies. But yeah. the drone definitely has to do with it because he's like there's a part. It was in the from NASA and, that they or, took. Uh, yeah, correct. It was. Oh, I thought it was from like a from an Indian. Or I think he says like, says it's like an Indian surveillance drone. But um, but he he says like you know his son is like why is it fly, flying so low and he's like maybe there's some kind of signal. I don't know, like yeah. it must have been it must have been drawn to something, and you're like, oh, okay, yes, it, it's it's whatever, you know, weird thing is happening in your house. I get it. Yeah, and it just um, it felt like they were dragging that out so much that mm-hmm. they finally get to NASA, and then all of a sudden, Michael Caine's character is like, look, Coop, we need a pilot, we need you, and I was just like, wait. So why did we just take 30 minutes for him to find this place only for them to ask him to go on this yeah. mission? Why wouldn't uh, they be it, seeking it him out? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't they have that shown loophole, up? Wouldn't that have made much more sense? That loophole bother And loopholes... Or not loopholes, God. Loopholes also bother me most of the time. But plot holes. Plot holes really bother me. And, and Nolan is guilty of quite a few plot, plot holes in his movie. But that felt like a major plot hole... Where it was just like, okay, wait, it's just like it just doesn't connect. You know, they're they're they could have in, inserted a scene maybe that was like, and I feel like they even did offhandedly say like, oh, I, we thought you were dead or something like that. And I'm, but I'm just like, you yeah, like you said, the world building is just not there. You don't know what kind of like you could have mistaken this for like the 1980s. Like you have no idea what kind of technology they have yeah. other than that they're... they're, they're is this know, modern they're, day drones. in a different yeah, world? Like, well, it's or is this in the future. In... But yeah, that's something yeah, they didn't quite like, clarify. Right. They didn't explain why the technology went away. They didn't... And like you were saying earlier um, or before the recording, like, you know, they didn't show what was going on around the world yeah. either. It was just all... You know, and I, you know, I, I was very bothered by how insular... It is like all of it takes place either on the farm or when they're in the ship, you know, stuff happening in and around the ship. And that's all. You know, and of course, the NASA headquarters, which, they, you know, but it's like just those three places are the only. And um, and I think that you can balance having the character building, you know, and still uh, have the. Uh, you know the the world building that's very necessary. You know, for instance, take Signs, uh, which you know M Night Shyamalan <laughs> made made that he gets a lot of crap. But Signs is actually a really good movie, and it takes place pretty much almost all on a farm or like a little farm farm village. Um, and uh, but the the kids like and the whole family like as this alien invasion is happening around the world and, and in their county. Um, they are watching some news like every once in a while and it gives you this sense of the scope of the problem like, you're, you're like whoa the world is actually at stake and it's cool you get to see it through the you know the perspective of this family but it's like yeah, at least give us something, Nolan. Like, tell us what, you know, what, what, yeah. what's really, you know. Is and it, it can be yeah. seen cliche in a sense that, like, a lot of movies where global event things are happening, that they show the news where it's either, like, a news anchor explaining or there's a president mm. coming on and saying, like, we ask everyone to do this. But, like, mm-hmm. I think this is a case where it needed it. And so, like, yeah. um, a 
th- this is a situation where I didn't want to just bash that beginning um, in the sense like with the drone and the plot hole of mm-hmm. McConaughey finding NASA, but like this is the kind of stuff that it's like I would rather they have had and instead mm-hmm. like this is the, to, this is our tweak slash solution to that problem opposed yeah, to exactly. me just bringing up a problem it's like okay here's our solution right. show us like you said show us what is happening in Russia and Australia like are they having the same exact dust problem or is it a totally different um, mm-hmm. climate thing that like maybe some places it's just global warming that it's just so hot that it's literally unbearable to go outside yeah. or mm-hmm. something but like yeah. like you said we're restricted to this town and the ship and nasa headquarters that it's like okay so this dust thing is obviously what's going on but like what's everyone else up to is is russia or china or any of these big global powers like are they trying to do something themselves are they trying to fix it <laughs> like i said a lot of people look at th- this movie's almost three hours and they look at it and they say mm-hmm. like that this movie's too long and it's like i don't think my length was the problem with this right. movie it was just if you're gonna be it two wasn't hours used and, well enough. yeah if you're gonna be two hours and 50 55 minutes whatever it officially came out to you need to mm-hmm. use all of that properly and like nolan gets away with it because he's christopher nolan and everyone's gonna go yeah. see his movie but Take that 30-minute chunk and just imagine if all these points were brought up that what we said before, showing what's happening Mm -hmm. around the world, introduce why they decided, the government decided to shut down NASA and Mm -hmm. introduce this propaganda thing to younger generations to hopefully get people to forget about NASA. Like, and like Michael Caine has a whole speech about it, about like how the world is dying and all of that. But it's like it's literally a classic example of like show don't tell. I was like, just gonna you know, say even, that show yeah, even, do not even tell. Even though yeah, yeah, even though Michael Caine, I love that spiel that he gives and it's very ominous and shit. But like, um, it's like you know you need to pair that with with showing us the the the. He's like your daughter will be the last generation on Earth to live. It's and like that's a I'm big like, thing to bring up. Yeah, that's huge. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, so, and anyway. anyway, so speaking of Michael Caine, we'll move on to our number uh-huh. three yes. uh, film tweak. Is uh, look at that segue. Uh, is um, supporting characters that either didn't feel necessary or they were very, very underutilized. And those mm-hmm. um, a handful of people I bring up is the Michael Caine character, John Lithgow's character. Um, Casey Affleck in Once We Jump oh. to the Future, who he Casey Affleck was great. He is one of Matthew McConaughey's children. He is the son, and so one thing I'll say about him real quick is the whole movie. Matthew McConaughey is only worried about like Murph. He's just worried about like who eventually grows up to be Jessica Chastain. He's only worried about getting home to Murph. He loves Murph. He gets along with Murph and like he likes that she's curious about science stuff. And it just makes me curious why is Casey Affleck's character necessary at all to the film? Like if you take him completely out of the film, it was like Huh. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change anything. <laughs> yeah, he he kind of does create a conflict later on with the whole like and it, this was such a weird part of the movie as well like his his family is like dying but he doesn't of, want them to leave the, the farm but he doesn't yeah, say but he doesn't why. Want them to leave and so so she literally has to like burn some of his field and then like go back to the house while he's addressing that and and like kidnap is not kidnap but like you know save them basically but like i'm just like that is it felt like such a unnecessary you know problem like it, it just they made it they played it up as this huge dramatic thing because i think it was ha- it was like cut between like either matthew mcconaughey i think it was like him going into the black hole or something like that some they intercut it with this very you know dramatic thing happening in yeah. space and I was like, no, this this just doesn't feel... And Topher Grace is there for some reason. That's another person I think they could have gotten rid of. Like, what? what is he doing in this he's movie? A, he, I, he's a certain case that, like, I didn't think he harmed the film, but it, it was a very random... Christopher Nolan yeah. loves to randomly pull those actors you forget about. <laughs> but, yeah, so when it comes to Casey Affleck, and then, like I said, you have these two juggernaut veteran actors of John Lithgow and Michael Caine, and mm. they're given such bit roles. And, like, there was... Yep. 
something that they did with Michael Caine's character where, like, basically he reveals that, mm. you know, they initially said the mission was plan A, try to figure out a way to lift this giant space station of NASA with humans from Earth to another planet. Or plan B mm. is you guys take these embryos and start a, a new human civilization on another planet. Okay, mm. and then the big thing is he reveals there was no plan A. The plan was always just to get humans uh, to start growing on a new planet. But, like, it felt so out of the blue... And yeah, it was just very kind of hollow. I would have loved to see that arc more of him, you know, of maybe mm. showing him he can't figure out the equation, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, he realizes that it's all for naught. Like it's just <laughs> another thing. Taking some time and distributing it to other people. Yeah. Well, and and I think he and he does kind of do that, but he he spreads it too thin. I feel like like it's it's like too too tiny of of bits um placed too sparsely you know what i mean like you know there's i I almost feel like 80 percent of this movie is montage where it's like (laughs) cutting back and like cutting back and forth between between what's happening in space and what's happening on earth and and just like all these little bits and pieces that you're given without um and this was a problem i had with um for instance man of steel where like the first 45 minutes to an hour felt like it was just one trailer or, or montage but like there was there were few full scenes you know it, it it rarely spent enough time with these amazing characters getting back to the kind of point where like where you could actually use Casey Affleck who I thought was brilliant in this movie for you know for the short time he's in it or or Michael Caine and again you know the moments that they are given they they do really great things with them but that just goes to show like you could have probably made this movie a lot better by utilizing them a bit more yeah such a just tremendous cast like an Mm all-star who's who of like great actors and like you said like they feel just so just backseat underwritten that i understand that Matthew McConaughey is your lead protagonist, but then also kind of co-leading with his daughter Murph, Jessica Chastain, once they get to the future. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that, but as you said, like, these actors are doing such great things with the little time they're given that it's, if you almost distributed, like, five minutes to each of them, and not even, like, just just (laughs) them, but you know what I mean? Like, just... Not even a lot to each, but just a little spread more evenly across the board. And it's like, this could have been a movie that was just like, God, the acting and the characters. Mm -hmm. And it was just very, you know, nope, this is just about Matthew McConaughey. And it it, it almost made me wonder, it's like, well, in this case, instead of getting veteran, tremendous actors of Michael Caine and John Lithgow and Casey Affleck, I almost, if these were the only things they were given, like, why not find three lesser-known actors who yeah. need a big film like this to maybe break through to the next step of being mm-hmm. in leading or more supporting major movies like this? Like, give them a chance to break through and I think yeah. that was one thing that it's like, okay, are <laughs> Nolan, are you just doing this because everyone loves you and they want to be in your movies, or are you just you really thought that these were the only people that could be these roles? No, and I agree. And then even um, two other uh, actors I want to bring up is like Wes Bentley as Doyle and uh, David hmm. Giazzi as Rom- Romley. They're the other two crew members with Matthew McConaughey and uh and Hathaway on the ship and like they're both killed mm. off and it's kind of like they're like you knew when they were there it's like these are just red shirts like the <laughs> but like <laughs> i really wish that he had dedicated some time for us to care so that like on mm. that first planet when Doyle dies it's more of a oh shit no Doyle but like yeah. you didn't even really care it's just like he just dies it's like all right we got to you know we're going to keep going because we have the main two characters we care about forget the other yeah. guy <laughs> which yeah. is it's like the it's yeah. not like this is a Star Trek crew when there's 20 people and you kill off like a couple it doesn't matter but there's four people mm-hmm. we should care yeah, about I, those I, four I, people so before we talk about the end I figure we'll 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 fittingly mm-hmm. talk about that for the last mm-hmm. point is I'd like to just bring up and get your thoughts on the general 
audio mixing slash music sound editing when it comes to both like this movie and it seems to be a reoccurring thing with Christopher Nolan movies. Um, like, am I the mm-hmm. only one to notice how just like over like Hans Zimmer's score I'll talk about later is one of the best parts of the movie, sure. but it felt yeah. to me very over bearing to where it was bleeding over the dialogue and it was too powerful like did that um you said you saw this movie in theaters too did that happen on in yeah. your theater too i i don't remember it but i like it wasn't anything like to write home about i guess like it was just kind of <laughs> it was very basic except for and i think i mentioned you know there was a couple moments when you know, the, like a ship explodes in space or, you know, they're out in their astronaut suit and you, you know, either you don't hear the explosion or you just kind of hear the tiny little, you know, you know, things happening in the spacesuit. That was kind of cool. Um, but, but I do agree that there are definitely these moments where I feel like he's trying to be like, like, um, uh, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey and he you know, has these, like, really, you know, he, he makes the score way too loud, or he, like, you know, and then, and then like you said, you can't hear some of the some of the characters at, at some points. Yeah, and and I know, like, this is one thing that maybe, maybe this is something that some directors don't think about. They're just thinking about the theater experience. But for me, what really uh, sticks out for me in movies is, for example, like, if I like it so much, I'm going to want to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand turning the volume up and down because like the way Nolan tends to he really does it in this movie and he's very I've noticed that there's a lot of characters they kind of you know they whisper and then so oh, you yeah. turn up the volume to hear the dialogue because it is interesting dialogue and, uh, and like a certain you know they're explaining the wormhole or whatever uh, and then all of a sudden you know and I'm like oh god like my ears like especially like when I'm not the only one in the room and like I'm just constantly like I have to just keep the remote in my hand because <laughs> I have to go up and down and like in the theaters it's not a big of a problem because you go to the theater knowing it's going to be loud but I guess to me it was one of the first times that it really stuck out and I think that's you know we both went to film school you know you do more editing than yeah. I do but I did take basic sound classes and they say like the reason the magic behind editing and mixing with audio is that you shouldn't notice it like mm-hmm. it should just feel natural and blended together and it's something that no one really picks up on because it's just you're in that world and you're not pointing out anything that you like heard that was weird and this was a case where it was just like god the the music is getting really overbearing and i can't hear the dialogue but then they're whispering and then it gets loud again it's it was just very all over the place and that was something that really stuck out to me that i couldn't quite fully enjoy the film because it was just back and forth <laughs> mm-hmm. but Definitely. but yeah i uh, i won't <laughs> go on too much just about the audio because there's probably some people out there listening just be like um i didn't uh <laughs> hear that but <laughs> yeah. like go back again and listen just how often it jumps up and down from the dialogue audio to the music audio it's uh it's <laughs> quite quite a jut between the two that is yeah, a, you don't want that. yeah is a little bit uh what's the word it, it kind of like spikes uh, jarring, yeah, jarring. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. It was very jarring, and it was just like, ah, oh, okay. I'm not thinking about the story. I'm thinking about my eardrums. Um, <laughs> so we'll lead on to our final tweak for the film, and we're going to talk about the end with this, <laughs> both this fourth dimensional bookshelf, like <laughs> it's like. So Matthew McConaughey goes into this wormhole. And somehow he's behind Murph's bookshelf from the beginning. I was actually almost hoping that they would make it like some kind of alien race. But then, yeah, basically the whole point with the bookshelf is that he he is the one that has been causing, I guess, all of the anomalies in in her room, which then led 
Oh my god. It's like they, they did the whole time travel thing and yeah. they, they did not spend enough time like thinking it through. Which is funny um, because going back to the dialogue we bring up is like Matthew McConaughey speaking with the, the robot TARS character. He kind of is like trying to explain it. It's like Nolan right. with Inception, Tar- but like yeah. not the good kind, where he's just like, yeah. "Oh, it's this. It's every moment in time and this, and I can signal her, mm-hmm. and she'll see this." Because I was like, "Wait, what? What? What is yeah, happening?" Yeah, like he—he's he, literally just like him and Tars are basically explaining it. Somehow Tars knows like what the <laughs> what the fucking wormhole is. I'm sorry, but I don't know if we can curse. But, yeah, go ahead. Um, fuck but it. like, yeah, it's uh. uh it's it's so quick too i mean like it feels forever actually when you're in it but like but then you when you're out of it you're like i don't think i learned anything about how that just worked (laughs) and um and even though i was given a lot of information um and yeah just like he i guess he can he can go to different points in time in you know because the whole thing is like it's oh they're these are fourth dimensional beings and they see time physically and i guess they like create that space so he can interpret it or whatever but still like if you have that kind of power couldn't you just like give him like a little you know like a radio or something and just like you know that can call yeah for himself in the past you know and so couldn't he he just uh, went back and just like showed back up like the moment he left for space or something like yeah and he even (laughs) sees himself leaving too and it's it's so weird because that like at first he's like trying to get himself to stay but then, if he stays, later, would he have not have gone right. into he space? Yeah, he would have never. Yeah, and then like a minute later, he he's like, "Oh, now I gotta send her the signal the, or the coordinates to go to NASA." And I'm like, "Wait, okay, hold on." And then he's like, "Oh, now I'm gonna program this. Uh, what was it like? The information about this black hole. Uh, I'm gonna communicate it with Morse code on a watch onto a onto a watch. <laughs> like, what the?" I, yeah, yeah, it was. I was like, this is a, is a classic case of like some writers who, and like this, just I don't want this to sound as, as insulting as I may come across. Is when they're trying to make it too complicated, cool to blow your mind, and by doing so, it's just like, really? So yeah. what just like happened? Inception? Inception was even getting close to that, I feel like, with all of the extraneous rules and whatnot. Um, but when you, but, you introduce know, and, and time movies, travel this late... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, at least they were building on just one kind of thing in Inception with dreams. Like, okay, you're learning more and more about this. But, like, they have, like, all sorts of di- different directions that, you know, whether it was information about the planets they end up on and then, the you know, how the wormhole works and, you know... Uh, uh, yeah, and, and so... Um, man, I was going to say something about that too, but like, yeah, by the time, uh, that whole sequence is over, I, I was just like, I don't, yeah, it's like you said in the beginning, it feels like this was a first draft idea that they were just like, yep, all right, that works. Yeah. It, and like, no, like to refine, refine it a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's just, and like not saying like this is like my number one tweak that if they had fixed this it'd make it a perfect movie or anything but I do remember see endings to me personally are a huge thing like endings oh, endings can make or break a movie for me like there are some mm-hmm. movies that I'm watching and I'm like man this is like an A A minus for me like this is a fantastic film and then the ending is so bad that I'm like mm, C plus you know like it just it is such a big thing for me and I remember like kind of like the first viewing I'm like wow this is you know I'm enjoying this and you know like sure the dialogue's maybe a little this and like the music's a little overbearing but overall I'm liking it it's Chris Nolan it is because yeah. that is the last thing you walk out of the movie theater thinking about is the ending, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't that this ending was so bad. It was just in the sense that you took us on this two-hour and fifty-five-minute journey, and when when you go out on something like that, it's just like okay, like well, and also we haven't even gotten to the whole Murph. Thing yeah, I guess either. we should transition to that. And yeah. the, the, it was the combination of both of these that really upset mm-hmm. me. The combination is he finally gets back to Murph. And what's so funny is he only asks 
where Murph is. He doesn't ask where his son is. <laughs> he just hates his son. He's asking where Murph is, and like he's in the distant, distant future. Like Murph saved the world where a bunch of people left Earth, and now they're living on a giant space station in space. And basically, he goes up to Murph, and she's like, I don't know, 100-some years old, and she's dying. Yeah, like 120 or... Yeah, yeah like and basically... This whole movie, he wants to get back to Murph. He gets back mm-hmm. to Murph and has about a five-minute scene with her. <laughs> Tops. Yeah. Tops. Feels like three. Yeah, it was he's like, so He's like, brief. oh, like... Well, no, and he, he's really happy to see her and everything, and, and it's like... But it's still kind of weird because she's, like, so much older than him. Yeah. And I guess, like, it's implied that she's dying, and then she's like, no... You know, no parent should see her, uh, his his child die. Yeah. And then he's like, she's like, go find Dr. Brand. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and it just, because, and this has to do with the point we brought up earlier about not developing enough relationships that, like, we didn't develop the Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway relationship enough to warrant mm-hmm. us being like, yeah, go back and get her. Because yeah, it's like, no, right. we you care, made us care about this relationship about a father and a daughter. And he gets to the daughter, and the daughter's like, no, go be with Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? It It was very, and then... Because they're so far in the future, obviously Murph had children and grandchildren, mm-hmm. and it looks to be even maybe great-grandchildren. Like, there's a Probably. few generations of her family there, and Matthew McConaughey walks right by them, <laughs> and none of them are like, oh my god, it's great-grandpa Cooper, you know, <laughs> it's whatever, like, they're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, see ya. If yeah. I had just come through this wormhole, and sure, I want to see Murph, but I'd be like, oh, family, yeah, because, like, you think about it, before Murph says, go get Brant, maybe he's going to stay on Earth, and it's like, aren't you going to maybe want to visit this family a little? We don't need to right. see 10-minute yeah, like, scenes with them, but at least, like, a hello. <laughs> yeah, at least imply that you have been, you know, and again, I guess it would just turn into another montage, probably, but... Like, you know, at least imply that that you're spending a good deal of time getting to know them. Like, because, yeah, of course, like, yeah, if that happened to me, I would be like, hey, family, what's up? Like, hey, people let's that catch wouldn't up. be here if I never existed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, and yeah, he, you know, he's on, he's on the tubular, you know, cylindrical spaceship, whatever deal they're on. And, um, and he's just like, yeah, I can't stay here anyway, blah, 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 or like you know it's too clean something like that um and so uh yeah and i'm just like and, you know you're exactly right it doesn't it's that it doesn't warrant going to dr brand because there wasn't really really even a romance there implied or, yeah you know and and also like if they succeeded like because i think she left to go like seed a planet with the the you know the embryo machine or whatever mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't sh- shouldn't it be more like he should he's getting her? He like it sounded like she was like go help her, um, you know, repopulate this or you know populate this planet. Um, whereas I'm like, no, you get you should be rescuing her and then like bringing her on board so that she's not like so that you guys aren't just alone in space. Yeah, like, and also like, uh, is that space? Is the planet she's on? Is it viable? Like, should the humans be heading there? Right. <laughs> I guess so too. Like maybe that was maybe that was what they meant by that. Yeah. But um, may, yeah, maybe that is it actually. But but, but no. Way, but even that, like, like it just it 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 like you said, it's a very convoluted ending. It felt mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we went on this two hour and forty minute journey, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, wrap it up in like five ten minutes," and it was just yep, like, "Whoa, yeah. that is like a half hour of stuff you just passed over." Maybe you should yeah. have cut Matt Damon's. <laughs> monologue down <laughs> and give it some more time to this but yeah, yeah. so uh, overall it, it when you go on such a long journey like that you need to wrap it up satisfyingly otherwise you're going to leave the theater or you know if you're watching it at home with a bad taste in your mm-hmm. mouth yeah. so I guess uh, since we've been yeah. not, I, I don't want to say negative Nancy's, but you know, like we're, there's ways right. that we have been discussing tweaking this Critical. is we should, uh, 
wrap up the podcast by talking about our positive things we liked about this movie. So what what are some Absolutely. of the uh, uh, the one or two best things you loved about this movie, Heath? Um, well, the first thing is that when there was action going on, I still think that Chris Nolan has a, a great skill for directing action sequences. Um, that is definitely the main one of the main things that I took away from it is that you know when they're on that first planet with the giant yes. waves, like they build up the tension for that really well, and like you know even though uh, yeah like Tars the robot like could have I guess easily saved them, and he kind of like keeps getting these new powers throughout the movie where <laughs> we're like why weren't you using that earlier um but like uh yeah it was like that was exciting oh my god when matt damon is trying to you know latch on to the you know he's like he, he steals one of the spaceships and he's trying to go to the you know, the orbiter um and uh he's, he's trying to lock into this like space station and then like explodes oh my yeah. gosh like that was great but one thing I mentioned before briefly was I thought Hans Zimmer's score was awesome in the movie. Um, yes. Thrilling. And I, I use that score. I use that score to write a lot, actually, <laughs> from Interstellar. Yeah. It's great. And um, so, like, one scene in particular that I will, I will man up and say made me cry was mm-hmm. the first planet, Matthew McConaughey. Basically, they reveal that, like, every hour that they will be on this planet mm-hmm. will be... Um, did, uh, was it seven years or two years? Basically, yeah, I think it was seven yeah, years. Yeah, like, okay, so, like, every hour on this planet is going to be seven hours for Earth. Or seven years. S- sorry, yeah. seven years. So it's a big jump. And basically, yeah. obviously, uh, some th- things happen. Doyle gets killed and, you know, whatever. The ship malfunctions and they have to wait. And yeah. so they show back up on the planet where uh, I think his name is Romley. Uh, his the scientist he comes out and you can tell he is just aged, and they reveal yeah. that they were on that planet for twenty two years. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh shit! And then they have the scene where Matthew McConaughey watches the video because family can send yeah. these video uh, sort of like Skype sessions, just kind of like how things are going. And then like, but even though the crew can't send them back to Earth, they can still receive them. And mm-hmm. basically, you see Casey Affleck's his son grow through these things where like you know he's talking yeah. about high school he met this girl then all of a sudden he's married and then all of a sudden he has a child and he's like introducing he's like you're a grandpa and like Matthew McConaughey the whole scene I love he didn't say anything all he did was cry and he's just seeing mm-hmm. his son grow over 22 years and then you know he see his son you know grandpa died yesterday and like it's mm. just like oh my god like that was heartbreaking yeah. and that was I definitely <laughs> yeah I even wrote like Casey Affleck's tape is a highlight like big time yeah um, and like both but yeah was the was the score for that you were saying something about the score no, yeah well both the score that too and I just enjoyed how Matthew McConaughey wasn't like you know speaking to Anne Hathaway about like oh my god my son's growing up all he did was watch mm-hmm. Casey Affleck's tapes and just cry and just like you know, he's, yeah. like, happy because he's seeing his son is, like, well and, like, has married right. and has a family. But he's also crying because I missed two decades mm-hmm. of my children's lives. And it's, like, the yeah. only... And, and they think that he's he's gone pretty much by the end of it. They, they just don't even believe he's coming back. Yeah, because he's, um, like, I don't even know why I'm sending these anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the yeah. fact that Murph didn't send one until, like, the very end... And, like, she says, you know, mm-hmm. you said you'd be back by the time you were my age. Well, Dad, oh, you know, yeah. I'm your age, and you're not back. And it was like, oh, God. Just one thing I did enjoy was that this was kind of just overall an interesting... I, I just enjoyed the idea that, like, we weren't meant mm-hmm. to stay on Earth, and we have to yeah. find another viable source and, you know, exploring into the unknown. And, like, it was done in a very serious way opposed to like you said like sometimes like in the 90s or early 2000s they did really goofy (laughs) sci-fi movies Mm -hmm. and this was like Nolan doing like no like this is I'm gonna be like 2001 A Space Odyssey like this is gonna be serious so that is one thing Mm -hmm. I did enjoy it was like it felt kind of fresh uh, in the sense of tackling uh, the sci-fi movie 
uh, for this world that you know we weren't meant to stay on Earth. It it definitely has me interested for this new Christopher Nolan movie coming out this next mm-hmm. year because definitely like. For the, so many years, he went, you know, Batman movie, original movie, Batman movie, original movie, you know, and he did three Batman movies that it's like, this is the first time in a long time that it's like, okay, he did Interstellar, which was an original movie, and now he's doing another, you know, original movie, and it's going to be something totally mm-hmm. different. He went from a space movie yeah. to he's going to do like a World War II film. So it is just yeah. something he's never done before. I'm very interested and in seeing mm-hmm. this movie again. Like we said, there are some flaws, but overall, like, let me just say here, folks, like, there are still a ton of movies out there that are <laughs> way worse, worse than this movie. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, I would, oh, absolutely. I think that year I still probably would put it on, like, my top 10, if mm-hmm. not maybe top 15. Like, it's still a quality made movie it's yeah. just I would need to look at other ones that I forgot what else came out in 2014 yeah it's just but, um, it's more yeah. in the sense that like you know it's it's sort of like when Tarantino's most recent movie Hateful Eight came out I didn't think it was mm-hmm. bad by any means I just think that Tarantino's mm-hmm. done better and it's it's sure. like there's such a high quality high bar. yeah such a high bar that they set for themselves so like Nolan I think mm-hmm. This is still a great movie when it compares to everyone else, but when it compares to himself, I would put this in the middle of his, maybe towards the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Well, Heath, it was uh, it was certainly fun uh, jumping into this uh, this film again. It, it had been a good <laughs> it had been a good maybe even a year since I've seen it. So I'm glad that we chose this one to watch because this is actually you know as we said an original film. It's not a franchise film. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just so few of those. These yeah, days. I remember when I brought that up to you. I was like, I'd like to do an original film because you know, uh, we reviewed both Suicide Squad and Jurassic World, and those are both part of like universes and franchises. Mm-hmm. That all of a sudden I was like, man, it, we're both like, because uh, <laughs> like, a lot of original movies lately, they're either really really good or they're just really really mm-hmm. bad, or they're, yeah. they, it turns out that they're original at the time and then they've done a sequel by now. It's <laughs> Right. So, are they based on a book? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where can the listeners find uh, uh, your web series, uh, Karmic? Yep. Yeah. So, Karmic is on YouTube. Um, So, just Google or uh, yeah, Google YouTube. uh, Search any way. Karmic. Um, Same with Facebook. We have a Facebook page where you can follow updates on the production of season two. And of course, yeah, definitely check out season one. It's really great. Um, Very fun. Uh, kind of like a new girl, um, you know, type type of show. Very charming and uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I also have an an Instagram H Rumble, which I need to update a bit more. But uh, but yeah, that's where you can find. Awesome, it. yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the pros p r o z e, as well as find uh, my. Uh, I also do some writing for MoviePilot.com. You can find me on there or just any entertainment buffet things such as the entertainment buffet podcast that i also co-host as well as just goofy sketches we have coming your way um heath actually edited one of our first sketches and hopefully now when we see some new ones coming out you'll see how far we've come (laughs) because it's been a Uh, those were those were so so classic yeah those were so long ago in the middle of college old school yeah literally but um so yeah we uh follow uh subscribe to the entertainment buffet podcast that's where you can keep track of both that podcast that comes out every other tuesday as well as film tweakers which i'm going to try to do at least one episode a month maybe up that to every other week to coincide with the entertainment buffet podcast but we'll see um but yeah heath it was great to have you on again and both this podcast and the other one and i'm sure we'll have to tackle some more either film discussions or films to tweak Absolutely. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> Thanks again, Heath. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you later, fellow film tweaking enthusiasts.